You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, welcome to Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Barbara McGinnis, and this is episode 33. Today, we're going to be talking about the new CMS guidelines related to visitation of residents in long-term care facilities. And with me to help explain these regulations is Patty Bedwell. She's an elder care coordinator for Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law and a former long-term care ombudsman. Hi, Patty. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Barbara. So there is a huge disconnect, I think, between what sometimes we just see glossed over on social media, like nursing homes are opening up October 1 and the real regulations and how they're going to be implemented, right? Yes, you're exactly right. And pretty much what everybody has heard is that facilities are allowing visiting again. And where that's true, there are a lot of restrictions to those visitations. Um, What most people don't know are those details about the visits. Generally, um, they need to be person-centered. So you need to be geared around that particular resident and take in consideration of their physical, mental, and well-being. Um, You want to be sure that the visit is good for them as well. Visits should allow for for privacy, and that may be tough, uh, considering that visitation, for the most part, is going to be outside. Uh, Inside visitation is allowed, but it would be much more restrictive. And facilities have the option of allowing those inside visits. So there's a lot of responsibility, or there's a lot of the decision-making is on the facilities, how they allow them, how they do those visits. So everyone needs to check with their specific facility to find out what their visitation is going to be like. And isn't there something about um, that these that were open for visits, whatever they may look like, but there's conditions and there's... Um, but fours, you know, they have to have like so many days without COVID positive residents or um, staff members, right? Right, right. They have to be at least 14 days uh, virus free, no positive um, uh, tests uh, for 14 days. But if they uh, admit somebody with, with that's COVID positive, you know, they know they're COVID positive, they've been able to manage it from the beginning, from the time they've gone through their doors, that doesn't impact visitation, right? Um, I don't believe it does. It shouldn't anyway, if proper precautions are taken. Right. Okay. Um, That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Are there any other key regulations that folks just really need to think about, you know, like the fine print? Well, you have to follow all those virus protocols. Remember, your visits are not going to be like a normal visit. Most facilities have appointments that have to be made. There's timeframes for those visits. And, you know, you need to practice. You need, Social distancing will always be in place, as well as wearing masks and other uh, virus protocols. Okay. I mean, some of that makes sense. I mean, we're, we're 
tiptoeing back into this. Uh, it's certainly better than being on complete lockdown. Uh, if, if we don't have the new CMS guidelines already, um, like in our social media feed or on our, our website, I'm going to see what we can do about getting it there because people need to know what those regulations are. And then, like you said, they're, they're even, they're subject to interpretation by the facilities, basically, exactly. right? Exactly. They can enter, and they're certainly going to interpret those guidelines more restrictive than a lay person is going to interpret those. Exactly. You're exactly um, right. Because um, this whole, as hard as this COVID season has been on all of us, it's been really hard on facilities too. Uh, you know, we've all been scrambling with how to, implement information that we've received and sometimes our information has been um, just rather chaotic so what have you seen happening in local facilities how are some of our local facilities responding uh, well i guess first off i'd have to say they're responding in baby steps i've talked to a few people and they're um they're glad that the visitation is lifting some those restrictions are being lifted but they're still concerned you know they don't want the virus to come into their facility so they're um they're just walking very very slowly and cautiously most of the facilities are allowing outside visits, and some are also allowing the inside visits as well. So you've got um, some tips for these outside visits since the temperatures are starting to dip? Ooh, yeah, that's going to be a, a, a challenge. And a lot of the facilities will be rising to that challenge as well because they also see that the weather is getting colder and, and things like that. But some things to do, you know, check the weather before you leave. If it's gonna be a little cool, Bring a couple of extra blankets. Um, the facility will probably have your loved one in a blanket already, but I've never known an older person to refuse another blanket. Take one for yourself as well, because you may be cold too. A hot beverage, maybe a scarf, um, anything like that, you know, to be sure that, that the resident is comfortable and that they can, you know, they can stand to be outside. Well, and, and family members that are visiting are probably just looking for something to do for that family member that they haven't seen in person in a long time. So being able to give them uh, a hat or a scarf or another blanket, like you said, some warm, fluffy socks, all of those things might make um, the visit more enjoyable right and i also think you know they could bring some pictures of the families and and to kind of think a little bit about their visit you know if you have a um, just a block of time you know that you can spend with your loved one what do you want to talk about in that visit you know make sure you you're able to tell your loved one all those things that you've been wanting to say to them that you know maybe you have pictures of new grandchildren or new puppies or you know whatever it might be but right. think about that so you can be prepared for that and so you don't miss telling them something that you want them to know sure that sounds good even you know even things is what sounds simple like pictures of your flower garden over the summer that you may have taken because there's been weeks and months that they haven't been out of that facility. I know how much my mom enjoyed visiting my house and seeing 
the flowers mm-hmm. or seeing the the birds or whatever there. And it wasn't like she couldn't see birds or flowers outside of her own window. It's just something different and it's nice. Right. So you do definitely want your visit to be pleasant. You don't want to focus on perhaps some of the negatives. And in fact, I think you were telling me earlier, that's one of your favorite tips about keeping things positive as much as possible when you're talking with staff, right? That is right. (laughs) One of my favorite sayings that I think applies to your interactions with staff is that you catch more flies with honey. Um. And by that, I mean, these people working in the facilities have been working very hard in a very difficult situation during this pandemic, but they keep showing up to work. Right. They keep doing it. Thank goodness. So let them know. I mean, you may not be completely pleased with everything that's going on in the facility or with your loved one, but... Thank them for being there. Thank them for getting your loved one out for this visit. Let them know that you do appreciate those efforts that they make. That Mm -hmm. goes a long, long, long way. Yeah, I I agree. I think so. So um, a couple couple more questions, Patty. We, We hear a lot about compassionate allowance as a reason for uh, in facility visits. What is that? Well, compassionate visits um, have been limited to end-of-life situations so that people are allowed to go in and be with their loved ones. They usually have like, not that you can really predict when someone is going to pass, but they do allow those visits in those situations. But the new guidelines go a little bit further than that. They also include instances of resident decline or distress. And that's good for residents that have shown a significant decline. Maybe they've lost a lot of weight. Maybe they're showing more signs of depression. Maybe there's other things that are going on with them. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing in the guidelines is these compassionate visits, they're not limited to just the family members. They're for any individual that can meet the resident needs. So that could be like their clergy or whoever they, they go for for their spiritual or religious support. Um, <clears throat> but keep in mind, even with compassionate visits, there's still guidelines and protocols that have to be followed. And those are the same. You know, there needs to be some, uh, there needs to be masks in place, virus protocols need to be followed. Um, And also, you know, I I don't want people to think that, oh, I can go in and say, hey, you know what? My mom looks depressed. I need a compassionate visit. You know, I I don't recommend overusing that. But how and when to use it? I think really your best bet is to talk with the facility staff. They're the ones that have been with your loved one. They can tell you if there's something that's going on. And if they you know, see a decline, if they yeah. see a change, ask yeah. them what they're seeing. You're, you know, exactly. are they eating as well? Exactly. Are they um, those kind of things? Right, and ask, ask to make one of those compassionate visits, and then go from there. Is there a limit on how many compassionate allowance visits you can get per resident? No, not that I see, not not listed in the guidelines, but the okay. facilities always have the discretion of allowing or not allowing those. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds 
like to family members or to people outside of this um, industry that it, it's all really weighted towards the facility. And I, and I think we have to trust that they're doing and working in the best interest for, for those residents. But what if, what's your recourse if you really just do not feel like you're getting anywhere with your, with your facility for, well, depending on what the problem is, first off, you have to be sure that the facility knows that there is a problem because they can't do anything about a problem that they can't, that they don't know anything about. Okay. Um, and then if you've already talked with the facility that the social worker is the resident advocate in-house, talk with her about your concern. If that doesn't work, then you can go with to the administrator. You can go up that command. And the reason I suggest doing that is the quickest way to get a, a concern resolved is in the facility. Once you start going to outside resources, it takes a little bit longer to get resolution, but it does happen. First, first option would be to contact your ombudsman. And each facility has an ombudsman that's assigned to them. Um, and their contact information can be found in the facility. Or you can call and get that information from the social worker or our office. If you're one of our clients, just call and we can tell you how, how to get in touch with them. And Well, that's a good point, Pam. I mean, that's kind of exactly what our elder care coordinators do. I mean, the name may not say that, but you and Deborah both work a lot with helping families manage expectations and reach resolutions as you're advocating for good care. Right. right? Yeah, that's exactly what we're here for. So uh, I know I, I appreciate you both, and I know our families do as well. Um, it's always, well, it's always meaningful work when you're helping families take care of their uh, aged loved ones. Well, thanks for today. Thanks for your information. And that's going to do it for this episode. Check us out next week as we have another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.